You're listening to On the Road, Our Way, the archive of the podcast formerly known as Women on the Road from 2017 to 2020, hosted and produced by Laura Borshevsky and a production of Rabble Media. This episode of Women on the Road is brought to you by BioLite, who invites you to celebrate the power of home this holiday season. On a mission to bring off-grid energy everywhere, BioLite makes easy-to-use stoves, solar panels, and lights that make you feel at home, no matter where your adventures take you. Every purchase helps bring safe energy to families in sub-Saharan Africa, so everyone can enjoy a warm meal, a welcoming light, or a call to a friend, the things that make us feel at home. Stay tuned to hear from Johnny Gall, who finds home among friends out on the Baja Peninsula, plus an exclusive Black Friday coupon for our listeners. Learn more at BioLightEnergy.com. I'm Laura Hughes, and you're listening to the She Explores podcast series, Women on the Road, a podcast to bring you closer to some of the honest experiences that life on the road has to offer from the perspective of women who've lived it firsthand. It feels good to be back. We took a short break to regroup after our first eight-part series, and I spent the majority of that time in my hometown of Seattle, visiting family and friends I hadn't seen in over seven months since we first hit the road to begin with. Now that we're back traveling and Women on the Road has resumed production, I feel more energized than ever to tell your stories of travel, the life nomadic, and the realities of making it all happen. But during my time away from the microphone, Women on the Road was still very much on my mind. In fact, we held our first ever in-person listener gathering just two weeks ago. It was incredible to meet up with those of you who made it out to talk about road travel, outdoor adventure, and the podcast. I'll be holding more listener gatherings in the near future as we travel along the West Coast this winter. If I'm in your town, I hope you'll come out and say hello. Even if you can't meet in person... One way to stay connected with this community is through our Facebook group, specifically for Women on the Road podcast listeners. So far, the group has nearly 300 members and has been a solid resource for asking how-to questions, getting road travel recommendations, and sharing stories. You can join the conversation through the link in our show notes or by searching for Women on the Road podcast on Facebook. A heads up for listeners. This episode contains stories of death, dying, and loss. While not graphic, the emotional content of these stories could be triggering. There's also some mild swearing, which we don't censor. Something that I realized and that is sometimes hard to say is like, I wouldn't be in this van if my mom were alive. I mean, I don't want to say never, but like, I don't think I would be here. I was applying to law school when my mom died. And now I'm in a van talking about death. And sometimes that can feel hard to say, and it feels weird for people to hear. Sometimes, you just feel like you need to be there. That's one reason I live in the van. To be present where my presence is most needed. In this episode, I also want you to be there. That's why we recorded the majority of this episode in Morgan's van, a vintage Volkswagen. And at a pop-up event you'll hear more about later on. This episode is a little different than others we've made so far. You'll hear more background sounds, and at times you might get the distinct feeling that we recorded this episode inside of a phone booth. Because we're part of it, we did. But in being there, 
I'm hoping you'll feel what I felt around Morgan and the people she draws in, and why she lives in a van in the first place. While driving up north last month, we took a detour, and I connected with Morgan in Santa Cruz, California, the town where Morgan went to college, and where, five years ago, at the age of 22, she learned that her mom was killed in a car accident. Morgan has a lot to say about death, dying, and loss, having experienced it so intimately herself at such a young age. And she's on a mission to create a culture shift around how we all discuss it and confront it. Her mission is called Death Dialogue. Death Dialogue is a website, and the goal is to talk about death and dying in a world that doesn't. And it started after my mom died. I realized that after my mom died, I wanted to talk about this thing, and I realized no one was talking about it, or very few people were talking about it, or people were talking about it in like this overly sweet and sentimental way, and I tend to not be that kind of person. I want to look at it head on and just have a conversation about it. I felt like no one was talking about what is going to happen to all of us. And when they were talking about it, it was not the space that I wanted to exist in. Death Dialogue takes many forms, from booklets to curated events. But the project that's gone the farthest, both literally and figuratively, is Conversations I Wish I Had. What I didn't tell you earlier about Morgan's van is that sitting on top of it is a large custom box that holds a collapsible wooden phone booth that Morgan sets up as she travels on the road. Here's Morgan putting conversations I wish I had in her own words. The way I describe it is a place to talk to people who have died, whether you knew them, loved them, admired them or not. But it's really interesting to set the container and give that description and then see how people make it their own. So like I've had many people talk to their former selves. I've had people talk to former lovers who are still alive, but they shouldn't contact, but they still have things to say. I've had people talk to their animals, you know, like I'm not here to tell you what you should be saying or how you should be saying it. You know, I'm not like, well, that person's still alive. Like you can't talk to them. No, that's not what I'm here for. I'm just here to like set the container and you can make it however you want. And obviously death is a component of it, but it's, I think it's so much more than that. What do you think you've seen and what do you think you've learned from watching other people process? Two things. When I first started the project, there was a fear that all the conversations would be the same. And the more I listen to the conversations and hear about people's experiences, the more I've learned and realized just how vast the human experience is. I can have lost my mom and someone else can have lost their mom and our two experiences won't be the same and that conversation won't be the same. Yeah, I've just learned what a beautiful thing permission is. Like if you set the space, people will come. There's like a movie with the cornfields, Field of Dreams, like if you build it, they will come. It's a li- a little bit like that. Like I built the phone booth. I am touring it around. I'm setting it up. I'm always wondering if people will come and they do. 
to me, that says that there is an innate need for people to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And it's interesting because people ask a lot about like, how do your projects come to life? And I'm like, because I want them, right? Like I want a phone booth to talk to my mom. I actually, with every event, the first person who steps in the phone booth is me. Hi, mom. Um, I'm looking at a photo of you right now. Sometimes when I step in here, I like looking at you and having that visual representation. And um, it's the last photo I have with you before you died. And you look so happy. <laughs> I recently took a trip to Texas and as I was standing in line for that flight I remember thinking like if my mom were here she'd be making friends with the people around her and there was a split second where I was like maybe I should try and I was like ah, I could never do it the way you did it and that's not reason not to try, but I think it was a moment of like understanding how beautifully you did that and how seamlessly you did that until that was gone and I didn't didn't get to witness it. Building community on the road through shared experiences of death, dying, and loss, Morgan has clearly validated the need for people to share their tough stories. We all have them. It's one of our most common denominators as humans. I especially appreciate her belief around wanting something to be real and then making it happen, even when social norms don't always jive with her methods. Sometimes it's really hard to convince people that this conversation is relevant to them, right? Like, it's amazing how easy it is for us to forget that we're going to die. And, and even if people remember it, I think they don't want to talk about it. And it's just, to me, it's so black and white. It's like, we know the end. We have really no control over the beginning. We should do what we want with the middle. Morgan's doing what she wants with the middle. It's a slow process, and sometimes influencing a culture shift can feel like an uphill battle. But Morgan's full of passion and determination, and seems like she's in it for the long haul. Sitting in Morgan's van just a few miles from her old college campus, her old route to work, and many past family memories, I asked her how Death Dialogue got started, the impetus being her mom's death in 2012. This is a raw, real story, and I'm really inspired by Morgan for choosing to share it, living in her values that hard stories should be talked about because they can bring us all together. I was working several different jobs. So on October 23rd, 2012, I was at one of my jobs and I was talking to my boss and I was getting a bunch of text messages from my dad being like, where are you? Pick up your phone. He was calling me and I left that job 
and was driving to a meeting at my other job and um, I called him back and I was like what do you want and he was like being really I don't know if shy is the word but he was just like um where are you um what well but but where are you I'm like I'm driving and you know, I think in retrospect, I think he's like trying not to cry and like freak out while I'm driving. And so I yelled like, dad, just tell me. And he yelled back like Morgan pull over. And, um, and so I pulled over into a shopping center on highway one. And I, I still didn't really think anything was wrong. I was just like, I just yelled like, what? (laughs) Because in my mind, I'm still late for my meeting. And there was just silence. And then I started to hear him cry. And I was saying, like, Dad, please just tell me, tell me, please tell me. And I'm having visions flash through my head about someone's hurt. Like, never in a million years did I think someone was dead. And he is finally able to choke out your mom. She died in a car accident going to work and I like noticing myself like get choked up about it because it's like at 22 just out of college you never think your mom is gonna die I never thought my mom was gonna die my mom and what made it so much more unbelievable is this was on the 23rd. This was like on a Monday or a Tuesday and I had just been home that weekend. Um, so he told me that and I became so hysterical and I'm kicking the dash. I opened my door and I'm just like sitting in my car. The shopping center I was at is along the main highway in Santa Cruz. So there are like a lot of cars and this was in the morning. And, um, you know, I'm like looking at the cars kind of in a daze. Like they don't even know what happened. Like they have no idea. Like my world just imploded and they're just going to work. And I remember there were these two people walking by on the sidewalk and they were laughing. And I was just like, how dare they? Like, do they even know? <laughs> like, it's funny to look back on that now because it's like, of course they didn't know. But, you know, I tell people that my mom, in many ways, was kind of the glue to our family. Like, she kept our incredibly close family together, coordinated people coming home. And so, the way I try to explain it is like the grid by which I had formerly moved was now gone. Right. And so I didn't know how to even take a step forward because that, that grid that told me, Oh, step here, step there was gone. Something that I realized and that is sometimes hard to say is like, I wouldn't be in this van if my mom were alive. I mean, I don't want to say never, but, like, I don't think I would be here. I was applying to law school when my mom died. And now I'm in a van talking about death with a phone booth on my roof. Like, 
And sometimes that can feel hard to say, and it feels weird for people to hear. We'll hear more of Morgan's story after a word from our sponsor, BioLite. This episode of Women on the Road is brought to you by BioLite. Johnny Gall is a writer, photographer, part-time woman on the road, and full-time adventurer. As someone in constant motion, I wanted to get her thoughts on what home means to her. I've always traveled a lot for work, so home stopped feeling like four walls pretty early in my career. And now home can honestly feel like a bunch of my friends in dirty sleeping bags in the desert, or it's my husband cooking me dinner in a van in New Zealand. So I think home is more that feeling of comfort you get from being around people who you totally trust and who just love you unconditionally, even if you're grumpy and your hair is messy. I think home is just being around the right people. This spring, I was surfing in Baja with some friends, and the place where we were camping was really dry and really windy, so we didn't want to build a campfire, but it was dark, and we didn't all just want to go back to our tents early either. So I remembered I had some of the Sightlight Minis, so we strung them up between, um, I think we had a Land Rover and a truck, so we kind of created this little tent-looking space just with the lights. And then we used the base lantern to power those. And it just created this really warm, well-lit space where we were cooking tacos and playing games and hanging out. So even with just two cars and some camp chairs, we made ourselves these little homes that I don't think we would have had if we'd only had headlamps. So every time I think of BioLite, I think about that night in Baja and like how special that was and how much being around those people and using those products really created that feeling of of being at home. From Baja to the backcountry, make anywhere your home with BioLite. It's holiday time, and BioLite is giving listeners 20% off the BioLite shop through Cyber Monday with code EXPLORE at checkout. Go to BioLiteEnergy.com. That's B-I-O-L-I-T-E Energy.com and enter EXPLORE at checkout for 20% off your holiday gifts. Do I want to be a part of the, like, lost mom club? No. But if I'm gonna be in this club, I might as well find people who are loving and supportive and get it. We're back with Morgan, connecting some of the dots between her mom's death and where she is today. I grew up in a really small town. There are 7,000 people there. And so, like, everyone knew that my mom died. I started seeing a therapist. And for the first several weeks, I'd go into his office and, like, all I could do was cry. And I remember one very specific time I was just, like, in my therapist's office. And I was just like, I just want to pick up and leave. Just, like, disappear for a while. And he looked at me and he was like, well, what do you have to lose? And I was like, oh, right, I have nothing to lose. This is not going well. I'm not going to law school right now. I had to leave one of my jobs because I just couldn't do it. And so I started traveling. Morgan traveled the world for almost six months, backpacking around Europe and Asia. On one flight, She had a realization about the relativity of grief. I was on a flight from Paris to China, 
And I woke up mid-flight and saw this giant mountain with this low-hanging moon and like twinkly town lights from the city below and I was just totally transfixed by all of it because not only was the mountain beautiful but looking out over this like vast landscape and seeing lights from the town below I I realized like oh I'm going through shit and it's been all about me but everyone through time and space and history has also gone through shit and it was just like this existential moment where I was just like, oh, this I'm not the only one that's lost someone that I love. And in that moment, my focus went from being inward of like, this is all about me. This is my pain. This is my grief. No one understands me to being like, oh, you get it. You understand it. You have pain. You have grief. I want to hear your story. So we went out to hear people's stories, to create the container, to build what Morgan's been building all over the West Coast, a collapsible phone booth she carries on top of her van, and see if people come to it to share their own heart experiences. All right. Morgan gave me a ride to the event in Bessie, her van and tour vehicle for conversations I wish I had. To the untrained eye, Bessie is pretty bare bones. She's not insulated. And in the coming months, I began to wonder if some nights Morgan would get cold on her tour of the West Coast. But when you look for heart in this rolling home, it won't take you long to find it. Photos and handmade gifts from loved ones, twinkle lights on the dashboard, plants that are for the phone booth but fill Bessie with greenery when they're not a part of Morgan's project. On our drive, Morgan likened Bessie to the friendly lunch lady who always looks out for you, sneaking you an extra cookie on a bad day. And sitting in the passenger seat, I understood exactly what she meant. So we're on the University of Santa Cruz campus right now, and we are getting the phone booth ready to go. Morgan's got a huge wooden box on top of her van, and uh, she's taking all the pieces out, so I'm going to get to watch it be assembled and maybe help if I can be helpful somehow. Okay, yeah, so who designed the collapsible phone booth? (laughs) Okay, so I had the idea for this, and I was like, I can't make this, right? Like, I did the inside of my van with my dad, but I can't. I could maybe make a phone booth, but not a collapsible one. Not one that goes up and down all the time. So I used to live in San Francisco, and I came across a guy whose name is Steve, and he had really beautiful photos of his work on the Craigslist ad, and then he had a really nice website. And, like, doing this project, I look for people with good design. I wanted something that was both beautiful, accessible, and gender-neutral is, like, really important for me because I feel like women take over the death space, and I, I I want a space that also invites men. And he had that, so... I contacted him and I was like, hey, I see you do woodworking. I have this idea. 
I want to make a phone booth. It needs to be collapsible. It needs to be lightweight. It's going in my van. It needs to be like sort of sound resistant. Can you do that? And he was just like, this isn't a table or a chair or in storefront, but like, sure, I'm into it. Putting the booth together took about 20 minutes, not including taking a break every few to talk to passersby about what we were doing. This simple, humble, beautiful booth that, yes, is strangely out of place on a college campus or anywhere really, clearly draws people in. It's welcoming. It invites conversation. And as you could hear from Morgan, that's completely intentional. Even in the corner of a busy campus common area, stepping inside the booth is being in your own space. A space for you and your story. Something that caught me off guard in seeing people interact with Morgan's phone booth was just how many conversations about death, dying, and loss got started simply from the booth's quiet presence. While a large handful of people entered to pick up the telephone, many stood outside wanting to talk to their friends, to Morgan, and to me about their experiences. No prompting questions, no introductions, no apologies. The booth was like a magnet for people's hard stories. We're going to share a few clips with you now from some folks who gave us permission, including a piece of my own conversation in the booth. You'll hear that, like Morgan explained earlier in the episode, even through the common thread of loss, we all have different experiences. So I'm sitting in Morgan's phone booth that we set up. I wasn't expecting to be so nervous. It's um, it's funny how that works. You think that these real raw experiences, you're somehow excluded from them, and that couldn't be more wrong. There was one thing I could hear right now from my mom that would be your laugh. It was such a bright, unencumbered sound. Yeah, you, you had a great laugh, and I, uh, I miss, I miss that sound. I think the world misses that sound. I miss walking through life's complexities with you, and. Um, you know, even if we're just even with the mundane conversations and, and the deep ones as well. And I know I had a chance to talk to you when you were alive, Grandma, but I just couldn't. I, I felt ashamed. One, because I don't know that much Spanish, because in school they told me I have to speak English or Spanish and just pick one and I chose English. But I want you to rest, no. That even though I did not know you guys, I never spoken more than a sentence to you, broken English or broken Spanish. That you guys had a positive effect in my life. I 
feel like now that I'm traveling on the road and I'm exploring around, we'd have more to talk about and we'd get along better than ever in a lot of ways. You know, it's pretty incredible that your travels are something that brought my dad and I together when when you died. I wish you could be here to see how our family has grown and see how I've grown and tell me you're proud of me for being brave and following what I want to do most and traveling around. I think you'd like to know that. I guess I never really got closure, so I'm kind of using this opportunity to, to take that chance. Um, I'm sorry that we were never as close as I wish we were. Um, I just miss you a lot. I miss your energy. I miss your spirit. And I'm sorry I couldn't be there for you or stop anything that happened or be a better friend and maybe change your mind that night. I love you. And I do miss everything about you and being on court and seeing your beautiful smile every day. And I'm not ever going to forget you. We all have stories, and regardless of whether someone else has lost their mom or 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 lost their parent to cancer or whatever, people all have stories of pain and hardship. And maybe it's not just death. Maybe it's maybe it's about a relationship or a, a job or a friendship ending. Maybe it's money problems. Like, those stories are still worthy of being told. They're worthy of being heard. And I'm just in this place where I want to hear those stories and I want to tell those stories. And I want to create space around those stories because it's so much more interesting to talk to someone who's like, hey, this is what I'm going through than like, oh, how's your job? I don't care about that. I care about what you're afraid of, what hardship you're going through. What makes you alive? When I was around my trip, I would meet people along the way and I'd ask them two questions. When are the moments that you feel most alive and when are the moments you remember you're going to die? Just asking those two questions brought so many beautiful conversations that wouldn't have happened if I said, what do you do for work? So I think it just creates more meaningful connections for me versus just like passing by people at alarming rates being like I don't know you I don't know you like it brings more connectivity which I think also on the road like it can get lonely and so those moments also feel more meaningful where I'm like I'm in Wyoming and I met someone that I really liked you know versus like I'm in Wyoming and I know no one yeah so. <laughs> I like that you chose Wyoming <laughs> there's just less people there I know <laughs> it was a good choice for Before we parted ways, I asked, as I usually do, for any advice Morgan has for those out there who might want to hit the road someday. Here's what she wanted to tell you. So I think first I would ask a question. I'd say, what do you have to lose? Because it's easy to 
think about the road and look towards everything that can go wrong and 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 the career that's going to pass you by or um you know financial struggles or I don't know where I'm going to sleep in that state five states away instead of focusing on like the here and now you know <laughs> even last night as I was driving to Santa Cruz Bessie was going like 15 miles an hour over the 17 which like whoo and I was doing this thing where I was looking at everyone in my rear view mirror and I was seeing them approach at like crazy speeds and I was feeling anxious they're all approaching me so fast and then they're veering to the left to get around me and then I had this moment where I was like just be in your lane and just drive and I think I don't know, I'm trying to make a metaphor out of it, but it felt like a metaphor when it was happening, where it's like, it's easy to look behind you and be like, look at all these people doing these other things, they're coming up on me really fast, versus like, where are you right now, and where are you going, and, and yeah, you can look ahead, but like, let's bring it back a little bit and just like be present to this moment and I do that a lot where I'm driving where I'm like okay it's really stressful there are all these cars this is all there's all this traffic I have a box on my roof like but can I just be in my lane right now listening to this podcast or this music and know that I am doing the best that I can in my van even if that's 15 miles an hour and so like what does that look like in life you know, maybe you're wanting to start out on the road and you're looking on Instagram and you're seeing like these thousands of dollar rigs and you want to do this and you want to do that and you want to go right now. And like, but maybe just be present to where you are right now. Look at your lane and know that if you're moving forward, even at 15 miles an hour, you're still moving. And that sometimes that's good enough. If you were impacted by hearing some of conversations I wish I had, Morgan's got a message for you too. I am available. I will take the phone booth to you. I will set up like I am in the process of collaborating, like not just doing these pop-up things, but like at the end of November, beginning of December, I'm talking with an event space in Oakland to do a dinner where there's the phone booth and then a, a table setting and a dinner where we can come together and talk about how hard the holidays are for people who are missing someone in their life. I'm looking for people who not only want this, but also need this. With the permission of the speakers, Morgan is taking recordings from the phone booth and creating a podcast called Conversations I Wish I Had, which she plans to launch in early 2018. So keep an eye out for it in the coming months. In the meantime, if you want to learn about Morgan's travels and death dialogue, you can find her online at morgabob on Instagram via deathdialogue.com and through the links in our show notes. Thank you so much to Morgan and the beautiful anonymous voices behind conversations I wish I had in Santa Cruz. And thank you to the University of Santa Cruz for hosting us at the event. Thanks to our sponsor, BioLite.
If you like women on the road, odds are you'll like our parent podcast, She Explores. Hosted by Gail Straub, She Explores is a podcast for and about women who are inspired by time spent outside. Gail has an incredible knack for finding inspiring women and stories to share, covering topics like hiking solo, mental health in the outdoors, adventuring with kids, entrepreneurship, and more, all from the outdoorsy woman's perspective. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite way to listen in. We'll be launching episodes every other Friday and don't want you to miss anything. Also, if you could take a few minutes to review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, that'll help listeners find us and would be so appreciated. If you want to learn more, any links mentioned here are also listed on the podcast episode page via the Woman on the Road section of she-explorers.com. Music is by Josh Woodward and Jason Shaw. We're proud to be edited by Gail Straub and produced by She Explores.